morning. Good morning, St. Anthony. How are you today, my lord? I'm good. I'm good. Oh, man, I'm not going to live that St. Anthony down, am I? You don't want to live it down. You want to you wanna live it up. You want to you wanna, uh, accept the blessings upon which... I, I did want to start today, I'm Tony, by to asking... the blessings, aren't I? Well, you, you, you accept... <laughs> Our receiving, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. I, I, I see the, the order of the Queen's birthday, uh, uh, whatever things came out today, awards, announcements. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you uh, in the list this year? I doubt it. Did her match, no. uh, d- d- you know, uh, send you a, a note thanking you for your no. services to your country, men and women? No, I think after 18 months of doing a podcast, I probably haven't qualified yet. <laughs> I wonder how many. I wonder how many uh, months you need to do. How many podcasts? I wonder how many podcasters have received a Queen's birthday. I've been doing podcasts for fifteen years, trying to make the world a better place. I haven't got a Queen's birthday award, but uh, you know, there you go. Yeah. Well, there's always next year. Uh, maybe it'll be. Uh, uh, what did um, Cam Williams say? Uh, Order of Australia, or. or Something I don't know. Australian of the year, he said. Knighthood, sainthood, something. Um, before we get into the, the uh, Q&A for this week, Tony, I wanted to plug our upcoming dinners. I'm uh, going to make a border run uh, later on in the month. Going to just... Uh, I'm going to Smokey and the Bandit it across... Uh, oh, what's what's that Boz Gag song? Lido Shuffle? Oh, Lido! Oh, 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 oh! <laughs> He dies, though, in the end. I don't like... Uh, but doesn't he make a run for the border? Yeah, but I don't think it goes well. I think it's uh, not as... <laughs> at least in Smokey and the Bandit, Bert ends up with Sally Field. So I'm going with right. that. I'm going with... But not the, in real life. I'm going, well, he did in real life for a bit. <laughs> the, she always said that he was her one true love, you know? He was, he was the one that got away. Well, I think he said that about her. One or the other said that. Mm. I'm going to be all like, eastbound and down, rolled it up and trucking. We <laughs> ought to do what life. they say can't be done. Crossing <laughs> Queensland border. People keep saying to me, do you think Anna will let you back in? And I say, God, I hope not. Like, please. No, Anna's gone. It's um, Anastasia. Anastasia. Well, that's what we oh, call, call her. Anna, do you? Anna. So yeah, Anastasia. That's too much of a mouthful. Gotcha. Sorry. Too exotic yeah. for Queensland, mate. We just say, do you mind if we call you Anna, love? Um, yeah, I'm hoping I'm not let back in and then i got a good excuse to say to Chrissy, well, look, now we need to move to Melbourne. Uh, weather be damned. Uh, so that's coming up. Uh, that's for QAV Club members. Uh, uh, what did we say? Um, Sydney is going to be the... Uh, 22nd? 22nd. No. 22nd, no? 22nd or 3rd? 23rd. And uh, Melbourne is uh, a week later, give or take. So uh, limited sales. I think we've sold about half of the tickets uh, so far. So guess who the first oh, two good. people were? To buy tickets to the Sydney dinner. The two from last time. Yeah. Paul and Cam. Yeah. Boom. Good. Straight yeah, on good. it. Because they know. Okay, I should point out this time, guys, you'll actually have to pay for your own meals. I mean, that's maybe they're thinking <laughs> Cam will pick free up the meal. bill. Yeah, free meal again. No, this time. Uh... <laughs> hey, just on that too, I thought uh, they, they raised the issue of uh, how do you teach your kids to invest? So if anyone wants to bring along their kids, that's good too. 
Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I think so. Why not? Really, a kid's. Uh, I know Paul said he might bring along his wife, yeah, Mrs. Paul, yeah. which would be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone else is uh, welcome. You know, uh, Jenny will be there, I assume. Again, yes, she will. Chrissy yep. will be there, assuming we can find babysitters. By the way, if there's anyone in Sydney or Melbourne <laughs> that uh, can either recommend a babysitter, maybe one of your own, you know, uh, uh, ch- children or uh, a babysitter that you've used or something like that uh, to look after Fox on our dinner nights. That would be lovely. We'll just get them to come to our Airbnb and they can uh, you know, look after him for us. That'd be terrific. So dinners, yes. Uh, if Go up to uh, QAB. Uh, if you're a club member, go up to the club member resources page on our site. You'll see the events. Uh, well, actually, you probably won't. Uh, I, but check your newsletter from last week and uh, uh, get it from there or our uh, Facebook page. Um, and I also wanted to start off by thanking Mark H, Elmar and Troy for writing iTunes reviews over the weekend or late last week. I've been asking people to write positive iTunes reviews because the, the the most recent review up there said that we were boring and condescending. And by we, really? I assume they mean you because I'm not boring. And I'm <laughs> well, not I'm smart enough. But I'm not boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not smart enough to be condescending, although I do play out that Alan Kohler clip as often as I can. So I, I still think it was Alan Kohler who wrote that review. But um Anyway, uh, thank you, Mark, Elmar, and Troy, for your iTunes reviews, and um, I'll find a way to make it up to you. Um, by maybe coming over to WA and doing a dinner. So Elmar and Troy, I can't remember where Mark is. Mark in one of the Marks is in Mount Isa. Wants us to do a dinner there in Mount Isa. It might be Mark D, Mark H, two, I don't know, some Mark. Speaking of Mark D, um, he's our first question off the rank this week, Tony. But do you want to? get anything off your chest before we jump into the questions uh no no let's jump into them okay um yep. before we get into mark's question I, I i pulled a line out of an email he sent me recently he was saying i don't even remember <laughs> i think he was turning, he's talking about turning over rocks and he said uh, hope we hopefully we find more diamonds than toads when we're turning over rocks i like that i thought that was a good coffee mug uh, uh, motto for more diamonds than toads anyway Mark's got a question here hi Cam have you done any statistics on whether stocks that have been bought in an uptrend perform better than those bought after a breakout from a downtrend I said well I haven't but I'm sure Tony has no I haven't oh. no. <laughs> nope uh, I've been thinking about it since I saw the question yeah, I'd say it's 50-50. I mean, it does make more sense that if we're in a recession like this and coming out of it the other side, that things are going to go up a lot stronger. So maybe it's that. Uh, but in general terms, I wouldn't think it makes much difference, really. Why do? Why does it seem that people are trying to get stocks back to their previous highs as quickly as possible? This is just yeah, a good question. sense of urgency out there. Everyone's pushing got to get it back yeah why what's going yeah. on they just have money to spend and they got to put it somewhere and so it's driving and they they look at the previous high and go well it's obviously worth at least that so i'm willing to pay anything between where we are now and that yeah i think it's fear of missing out is probably the big driver um, i've been surprised by how quickly this uh, the stocks have rebounded uh, of course it's all underpinned by 
low interest rates and, and government support. So we're going to hit some bumps in the road when the government support stops. And if interest rates ever rise again, it will hit some bumps in the road. So uh, I think we'll hit some bumps in the roads when we get the uh, company reports out in August too. People will say, oh, okay, didn't realise it was going to be that bad. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't explain it. It's uh, I think probably every, almost every commentator, every fund manager that is out there being interviewed is saying they can't explain it either. It's uh, given the fundamental under, uh, underpinnings uh, in the economics, the, the stock shouldn't be rising as fast as they are. So it's it's definitely crowd psychology. And didn't the Reserve Bank come out last week and say we're officially in a depression? I don't think they would have said depression. Did they say recession? I don't know. I, I've got. I just tried to Google it. I saw yeah. something in the headlines. Uh, Philip Lowe, Reserve Bank Governor, uh, he said it's actually still a pretty depressing scenario. So I guess not exact. It's just depressing, not a depression. Just <laughs> depressing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's a, I think we're officially in a recession now. It's been two quarters of negative growth. So we're in a... Officially the first in a, was the bushfires and yeah. the second one was the COVID, yeah. Yeah, so we're officially in a recession, but the stock market's going hell for leather. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, um, I think Roger said to us when... Roger Montgomery said to us when he was being interviewed that the stock market is a forward-looking indicator and it generally tries to predict about nine months in advance, or I think he said it casts a long shadow. So obviously people are thinking that uh, things will get back to normal quicker than what the economists are thinking. And, yet, uh, and I've also read some articles saying that this is a retail investor-driven uh, upturn as well, that a lot of the funds are still sitting on the sidelines with lots of cash. Right. But in terms but, of it... I mean. Being Sorry, forwards just, just, looking, nine months ago we were in a bull market and uh, <laughs> didn't 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 look forward that well. Well, it did in a kind of way because if you remember, nine months ago we had the yield curve inversion. Now I don't think the yield curve inversion predicted COVID nineteen, but it did say that you know normally a, re a recession follows a yield curve inversion, and that was about nine months ago. So it kind of has in a way, in a sort of macro way. But we were in a bull market all through that. We were in a bull market until, like, February. Yeah, pretty much. I think the brakes came on, though, in the second half of last year. Uh, what is our... We started our portfolio on the 2nd of September. Yeah. No, you're right. We went up, didn't we? And then we came back. So you're right. Yeah. When did we start to slow down? Around November, maybe? Uh, I think some of our stocks started to slow down, I think, in December. But... Um, right. You know the portfolio was still well and truly up. At one point mm -hmm. there, we you know we were up like eighteen, nineteen, twenty percent mm. yeah. in, in a few months. Uh, but the rest of yeah. the market kept going up, particularly your growth stocks and that kind of stuff, until you know we we really hit the lockdown. I think and the the big crash mm. happened. But anywho, yeah, no, you're right. Sorry, I interrupted you. Where you were about to say something? Yeah, I was going to talk about the what's called the weight of money argument. So you just reminded me of it. So when you see big fund managers holding lots of cash, uh, but the stock market keeps going up, sometimes that upward trend is boosted by capitulations by those people. Uh, so there's a thing called the weight of money argument, which is there's a lot of, I mean, there's so much money coming into the share market because of compulsory superannuation alone in Australia. 
And and if they if those fund managers are sitting on the sidelines now because they're worried about future downturns, then when that money does get released, it's going to be a huge boost boost to the, the stock market. Uh, the flip side of that is that when you see people who are thinking there's going to be a, a downturn coming finally capitulate, that's often a sign that the downturn will happen because uh, uh, capitulation is always a sign of um, uh, impending upturn or downturn either way. But yeah, the weight of money argument's a really strong thing in the Australian share market in particular, uh, but probably all around the world that have similar sorts of, of structures, maybe not as maybe not as big as ours because we're at 9.5% compulsory superannuation but but certainly stock markets for a long time have been boosted by just this continual need to invest and a lot of that money sitting on the sidelines now because the fund managers are saying that this is a bear market rally but when it does get released it will really push the share market up I always thought the weight of money argument just referred to your wallet in your back pocket <laughs> and how hard it was for you to get up out of the chair uh, <laughs> like the old joke about why do why do seven four sevens have a hump at the at the uh, the beginning of the plane, so the pilot can sit in his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, which reminds me though, uh, Taylor said to thank you uh, the other day. He um, he took he he had a meeting, a, like a lunch or a dinner meeting with some people he's trying to sell on one of his uh, new business ideas and um he said i pulled a, i pulled a tony i said what do you mean <laughs> he said I, I got up i said i had to use the bathroom and i went up and secretly paid the bill and uh when they asked for the check at the end the guy said oh no it's all been taken care of he said that's what he calls pulling a tony secretly paying <laughs> secretly paying the bill oh paying the bill yeah right yeah secretly exactly. paying the bill <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. You've influenced him in other ways. He's he's learned learned a trick. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, I, I learned that trick from going to the toilet when the bill arrived originally when I couldn't pay. For it. <laughs> it's a reverse Tony. <laughs> I used to be called the shell shuffle when the when the bill arrived. Everyone would tap their pockets. <laughs> yeah, we used oh, to play. Got my wallet at Microsoft. We used to play a game. I'm just trying to remember what the game was. Um, it was to see who would pay for the bill. And I think you had to... It was something about... Uh, you had to pick a number, and then we went around the table. Uh, how many fingers you were holding... It's like something... How many fingers you were holding under the table or something? I don't know. Yeah, it was some game that we used to play to see who had to pick up the bill. Everyone was putting it on their corporate card, but then you had to, you know... Get it through, get it through your expenses, and justify it. It was always a good game to play if your boss was actually at the table, as because <laughs> you knew he would approve your expenses. But yeah, yeah those were the good days. Well, Shell, the other thing at Shell was Shell used to have an audit policy that the senior person at the table had to pay the bill because then their expenses were approved by someone who wasn't there. So that was an objective test of whether it was required or not. So I used to get invited along to mm. all these dinners with senior people, and it took me a while to work out why. And what they were doing was they'd have their direct report and then someone below them, so I'd pay the bill and it would get signed off by the next person up the line. Right. It wouldn't, go, it wouldn't get paid off by the boss or have to go to his boss and be signed off. Right. <laughs> Fancy. All right, so weight of money then. Hmm. Well, you said a bear market rally. What's a, what's a bear market rally? Well, it's quite possible we're in a bear market rally now. So it's, it's, we're coming off our lows but we haven't reached our highs. So 
uh, it's quite possible that when bad news happens, like uh, another outbreak of COVID or, or all these people who are protesting on the weekend suddenly catch COVID in a couple of weeks' time and uh, there's bad news, then the market will go down again. So sometimes called a dead cat bounce or a bear trap or a bear market rally. So we're all happy and excited the share market's going up. It's not underpinned by the fundamentals and it could turn down again. Mm. By the way, you came up in another conversation over the weekend. Uh, we caught up with our friend Ian for a picnic lunch down at West End yesterday and Chrissy was talking about Malcolm Gladwell's latest book, which she's reading. And she was telling the story from the book about Bernie Madoff, and uh, and then you came up, but <laughs> but not because not because you reminded her of Bernie Madoff. Apparently, uh, trying to remember the try and tell this correctly, there was a guy who was looking at Bernie Madoff's reported numbers for mm. years and years and years, and kept reporting it to one of the uh, watchdog bodies in the US saying the numbers, and he deliberately never met Madoff, didn't read anything Madoff was saying about what he was doing, avoided all of the stories, because apparently this book is about, uh, Gladwell's book is about why we trust. How humans, uh, you've read the book? Yeah, Talking to Strangers, it's really good. Oh, right, okay, well, you know the story then. And apparently, yeah. But this guy was just looking at the numbers, didn't care about the stories, was just looking at the numbers. He said the numbers don't make any sense, and they ignored him and ignored him and ignored him until obviously it was too late. And she said, and that kind of reminds me of what, you know, Tony does with QAV, ignore the stories, just listen to the numbers. So there mm. you go. So it was, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the if I remember that story correctly, the guy was a bit of a... Um, he was way out there. Like he would, he would not leave his apartment, and he would, uh, you know, be really scared. People were going to knock on his door and arrest him and things like that. So he was treated as a bit of a kook by the investment community. But he was right. Like you, you're an old funny duddy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good stuff. All right, let's move on. Um, another question. This one's from Dave W. Hi, Cam was looking at buying LYL. Could you please ask Tony about the market depth? There is a 10% a ten cent spread in buy and sell with sellers. Some are 35 cents apart. Thanks, Dave W. LYL. Yeah, so doing my own trades isn't something I've done for a very long time, but uh, I'm, I had a look at LYL in Stock Doctor, and its average daily trade is about seventy-three thousand. So, it's it's reasonably big, but not overly big. So, sometimes these thinly traded stocks can have a big spread between the bid and sell. So that could be why there's a spread. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I mean, the the thing you've got to be careful of is that you don't put that market orders in. So, which can be you know, 35 cents higher or lower in this case um, than what you wanted to pay, but to put a price in. So you want to buy LYL at this particular price. And just in terms of that, that bid and spread line, as a rule of thumb, I'd look at where the volume is. I don't know if the platform that Daryl or Dave is using, sorry, you can see how much money is waiting to trade at a particular price, but it's usually a rule of thumb that the large volume uh, follows the small volume. So what I mean by that, if there's a million dollars of shares wanting to trade at $5 for LYL to buy LYL and the sell price is at $4.70, 
than and is only a thousand dollars of shares for sale at four seventy. It's likely the million dollars will gobble up the the thousand dollars worth of trades. So big follow small, but that's probably the only thing I can add to that. Um, I did wonder whether we shouldn't get a, uh, a experienced stock market trader on the show and go through some of the pitfalls with this. So maybe I'll talk to Alex Hay and see if he can provide someone for us. Okay. And when you say uh, you set a price, that's uh, just a limit. You say I only want to when yes. you're doing your transaction. Say I only want to pay this price. Don't go above this price. Correct. Yes. Mm. Yeah. If you're buying. Yeah. Yeah. Selling it's the other way around. Yeah. And any theories for why there would be uh, such a big spread? What's the the quote on it on Stock Doctor is five dollars and two at the moment. So thirty five cents is well, about seven or eight percent. Um, mm-hmm. w- any theories on you know why there would be such a big spread? It's just I think it's likely to do with the liquidity in the market. So the the more that's traded every day, the closer the bids and sells are usually, because there's so much trading going on. But uh, in in smaller thinly traded stocks, it could be days between uh, trades because bids and sells aren't met, and they're often when you see standoffs uh, that can to, that can have a big gap between the bid and sell prices. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you. Dave, uh, oh, God, now we've got war and peace here from Jamie. Um, Hi, Cameron. I was discussing briefly in the chat room the ups and downs of general market and how we could perhaps accumulate some of that profit along the way. Example, stock XYZ. Within a few weeks of buying, less than one month, let's say it increases by 35%. After two months has passed, some profit-taking ensues and stock is now only up 10% in portfolio. It looked good for a while, but extremes in market action commonly reverse to the detriment of our portfolio. Now, people often say, well, if you sold out, you'd have to pay tax, and what if it went up further, etc., etc.? So you may as well hold on in the hope you get back up to that 35% level again in the future, fingers crossed. What if we take some action to lock in a windfall gain, don't incur tax and benefit if the stock goes up or down after the sell date? For example, you buy $10,000 of XYZ at a dollar or 10,000 shares, it goes up 30% in three weeks. You then sell your initial 10,000 worth of shares back to cash at $1.30, no capital gain incurred, $10,000 return to cash position. You now have $2,300 uh, or $3,000 worth of shares in XYZ for free, plus you have protected your capital. What are your thoughts on this strategy, TK? Yeah, it's misguided, Cam. There, there is capital gains tax to pay, so I don't know... If this is based on the US example or a different country which has different capital gains tax rules and laws, but but uh, if you sell a share and it's gone up, you pay capital gains tax, irrespective of whether it's uh, yeah no, irrespective of whether it's um, partially sold or, or the whole parcel is sold. So I'm not quite sure that this uh, makes much sense from a real world perspective. So. That's the first point. Um, if you sell, if so, here's what the question's asking: is if you if you sell, if you buy ten thousand dollars of XYZ at a dollar, so ten thousand shares, and it goes up thirty percent, uh, you can sell off 
$7,000 worth and keep the rest, but you will pay capital gains tax on that on that original, sorry, you can sell off 7,700 shares, which is your initial 10,000. And, and uh, this person seems to think you don't pay capital gains tax on that, but you do. So you, in fact, to do what he's saying in Australia, you'd need to sell off your original capital investment plus what you'd have to pay in capital gains tax. So you could still do what he's saying, but you'd have to sell off more and leave less in the market. So that's the first point. Um, the second point is, how do you know 35% was the top and not 50% or not 20%? So waiting for 35% to happen is can sometimes leave you high and dry or sometimes it can be selling too soon. So... Yeah, it's always a always a, a classic in the share market that people think they can sell at the top and buy at the bottom, but it's very hard to do. There's no bell that rings to say the market's now top is, it, is now topping or or ringing to say it's now at its bottom. So that's the second thing. And the third thing I'd say is I'd refer the the person who wrote the question, whose name escapes me for the moment, Jamie. Jamie. Yep, to our interview with Chris Tate, where he spoke about pyramiding, where he said. His, his best investments were the one that, ones that he stayed in and they kept going up and up and up and up and he put more into them along the way. So I understand the basic point of Jamie's that where he's probably confining himself to mining stocks, which can be cyclical based on the commodities. Um, having said that, the cycles tend to be fairly long. You know, they're usually sort of three, four, five, sometimes even 10-year cycles. So you can be in mining stocks for a, a lot longer than you think, even if you take the, the view that they are cyclical. Um, so I, I still go back to using our, our three-point trend lines to, to say when the sentiment's turning, uh, either up or down, and I, that's, that's the one I've used successfully. Uh, this other way of selling, it's, it's kind of reminds me of rebalancing. So every certain period, whether it's a quarter or six-monthly or, or a yearly period, uh, some people recommend you sell you sell all your wins and, and invest in your losses so you bring everything back to zero again um, but I'm not a fan of that I think that gives you a, a, a lower return than, than uh, weeding out the losses and staying with the winners yeah I mean it, it, it does make sense um, I think to a lot of people that you just uh, you know set yourself a, a benchmark if it hits 30% I'm going to sell I'm going to lock in my profits but um, of course, then you're you're missing out when it goes high. I mean, I guess their theory is you also miss out if it goes lower. But when you have a, a stop loss mechanism in place, like the three point trend line, you're getting the advantage of stocks that will go up, but at the same time, minimising your losses. Yeah. So what uh, what this person is saying? I keep forgetting his name. Sorry, uh, Jamie. <laughs> Jamie. It's because I printed off the question and it goes over three pages. <laughs> I have to keep jumping to the end to look up his name. Uh, what Jamie is is doing is he's saying, well, I've sold out my initial capital, so I have that back, but I'm still leaving some of it to ride. Yeah. And that's um, fine. But if you leave some of that to ride, it could still go back to zero as well. So you still have to um, treat it as, as capital you're watching. You can't just sit and forget, even yeah. though it might go up. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, to, to get the sorts of returns that you've achieved over the last 25 years, it's, uh, it, it requires uh, riding the winners as far as you can ride them. Correct. Yes, exactly. That's where... More like, more like what Chris Tate does. Yeah, that's where the difference 
between you and your, your your bog standard investor comes in, right? You're you're able to ride the winners and minimise the losers. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And uh, you know, there's been a number of times when I've looked at a share price and gone, "Geez, it's it's, re- it's retreating a bit. Should I sell and lock in profits?" And then it turns around and has another leg up. So mm-hmm. you, you do need to take the emotion out of things. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks, Jamie. I hope you... I mean, that's Tony's perspective on it anyway. Um, Let's uh, move on. Stephen Mab. Anyway, he says, uh, was interested in what you mentioned about looking at the 52-week high AFR list each day. I like the idea, so I'm interested in how you apply it. I'm fine to screen out most quickly due to poor financial health, cash flow valuations, etc., but for example, EVN came up this week. It has a price to cash flow of about 10 based on the June 2020 half analyst projection. Most of the quality metrics have been steadily improving for several years, and it's been returning over 40% per annum for five years now. So is this an example where you'd bend the framework and add it, or does it still have to meet the QAV score of 0.1 minimum before you'd add it? EVN. Yeah, so there's two... Two things there. I'll, I'll answer the second one first. I wouldn't buy Evian at the moment, even though it's going up. It's in a, a three-point trend uptrend, and it's uh, doing well. But no, I don't buy if the score is below point point one on the QAV checklist. Um, if I had, I had a, have owned Q, uh, Evolution Mining in the past, and there are others. This Evolution Mining is a gold stock, and there are other ones that I, that I still own from the past. Evolution I sold out at some stage, so it must have had a a bit of a downturn at some stage. But um, no, so I, I think we've got plenty of stocks we can buy that are less than 0.1. And of course, the more expensive a stock comes becomes, the more likely it is that it's going to reach a, a top at some stage, but people just get exhausted by paying, you know, not too much, but a lot for a, a stock that's been going up over a period of time. So what I prefer to do is to buy them when they're cheap and hold on to them while they go through this phase. So... Uh, stocks like news well that's the free episode for this week folks if you're brand new welcome to the show uh you probably want to go back and listen to some of the introductory episodes so you understand more about what's going on i recommend series three episode one uh three and five where we sort of did a reboot of the explanation of who tony is and how his investing system works And just uh, be aware that each week we do a free episode, sometimes two free episodes, and we have premium episodes as well, Uh, like this one went for another half an hour or so today, where Tony just answers more listener questions about how he would invest, how he invests. Uh, What else should you know? Well, we're not financial advisors, so please don't take anything you heard on this episode as financial advice. If you're looking for financial advice, go see a financial advisor. And uh, if you want to check out the premium episodes, go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au. You can sign up for a two-week free trial, get to listen to the uh, premium episodes, download a copy of the Getting Started Guide, download a copy of Tony's Checklist, uh, his investing checklist. You get to come to our events Uh, participate in our live Zoom calls, um, probably other benefits that I can't think of right now. Oh, you get to email us questions each week for Tony too. 
answer on the show. Get uh, That's why you get to be part of our private Facebook group for all of our club members where there's a lot of discussion each week on uh, analysis using Tony's QAV method. Um, you get to see Tony's watch list each week, the stocks that have passed his checklist. Just a whole ton of benefits. All right, so uh, that's it. Hope to uh, see some of you at our upcoming dinners and take care. Good luck with your investing.